Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, July 20th, 2020, and today we are continuing our study on the book of Ezekiel, and we will be looking specifically at Ezekiel chapter 19. And Ezekiel chapter 19 reminds us that we have flawed leaders and that ultimately those flawed leaders make us hope for heaven's true king. And that's what Ezekiel 19 is about, is a lament that is specifically for two kings of Judah as well as a lament for the entire line of Judah's earthly kings. Unlike what we saw in Ezekiel chapter 17, chapter 19 has no promise or hope, nor does it ever give an interpretation of this vision that Ezekiel sees. However, from what we know of when Ezekiel spoke these words and saw these visions, one of the kings had finished his short reign, while the other king most probably pictured had yet to finish his. And Ezekiel 19, therefore, is a lament over these flawed earthly kings, one whose reign had ended and one whose reign would end. And it's a lament for us to be reminded that earthly leaders will disappoint. Earthly leaders will be drawn to depravity. Earthly leaders are imperfect. And when we see these flawed earthly leaders, it reminds us that our longing is for the king of Judah, the lion of Judah, Jesus the Christ. And so today I hope that we can bring Ezekiel 19 into a present day context and that as we do, it will lead us to do two specific things. So as we read here in a minute, Ezekiel chapter 19, as we lament and see this lament that Ezekiel had for these wicked rulers, these ruthless rulers, these, these, these indescribable rulers, that we We'll bring it into our context where we have rulers who are, are, are not following the Lord. We have, we have rulers who are depraved. We have rulers who are narcissistic. We have rulers who are only out for their own interests. We have rulers that are brash. We have rulers that are ungodly. But may we be reminded to do two things. And the first is to pray fervently for our leaders, both those federal, state, local leaders, our church leaders, those who lead us as we work. Paul urges Timothy to pray for leaders in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verses 1 through 4. This is what Paul says to Timothy. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So, beloved, may we pray that our leader and that our leaders would have an awareness of the stewardship the Lord has entrusted to them. Romans chapter 13, the Lord has entrusted stewardship to the leader to be a voice and a representative of God. And we know that many of our leaders are not good representatives of godly, kingly leadership. But let's pray that they would have awareness of that stewardship. Let's pray that all voices of influence would be silenced in their lives, but for the Lord. 
And let's pray that the Lord would provide that all of our leaders need to guide and serve us well. May we pray that our leaders would serve in a God-centered way, even those who aren't called according to his purpose and who don't know him. May we pray for kings and all who are in high positions. May we pray for our leaders. But secondly, I hope this passage of lament would cause us to long more deeply and to hope more earnestly for our true king. I love how Paul displays the gospel through his own flawed life and ultimately brings glory back to God. All have sinned, therefore all leaders are flawed. There are no perfect leaders. And each election cycle recently in the U.S. reminds us that we are deciding between two or three very flawed individuals. Instead of this leading us to despair, instead of this leading us to hopelessness uh, of godly leadership, instead of this leading us to, to absolutely not know what to do to vote, may instead thrust us to the hope that we find in Jesus Christ alone. I love what Paul says to Timothy, and in, in still in 1 Timothy, but in chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Paul, a, a servant, a leader, but, verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer, a prosecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith of the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the first most, foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, beloved. All leaders are flawed. All men are flawed. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. May we not put our hope in flawed leaders, but may our lament over our flawed leaders lead us to long more deeply and to hope more earnestly for our true king. And so now as we read Ezekiel chapter 19, let us be reminded to pray for our leaders and to long for our true king. Ezekiel Chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And you, the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel and say, What was your mother, a lioness? Among lions she crouched. In the midst of young lions she reared her cubs, and she brought up one of her cubs. He became a young lion, and he learned to catch prey. He devoured men. The nations heard about him. He was caught in their pit, and they brought him with hooks to the land of Egypt. When, we, when she saw that she had waited in vain and that her hope was lost, she took another of her cubs. This is the second king of, of Judah, that her hope was lost. And she took another one of her cubs and made him a young lion. He prowled among the lions. He became a young lion. He learned to catch prey. He devoured men and seized their widows. He laid waste their cities, and the land was appalled and all who were in it at the sound of his roaring. Then the nation set against him from provinces on every side. They spread their net over him. He was taken in their pit. With hooks they put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. They brought him into custody that his voice should no more be heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine in the vineyard planted by the water, fruitful and full of branches, by reason of abundant water. Its strong stems became ruler's scepters. It towered aloft among the thick boughs. It was seen in the height with the masses of its branches. 
But the vine was plucked up in fury, cast down to the ground. The east wind dried up its fruit. They were stripped off and withered. As for its strong stem, fire consumed it. Now it is planted in the wilderness in a dry and thirsty land. And fire has gone out from the stem of its shoots, has consumed its fruits, so that there remains in it no strong stem, no scepter for ruling. This is a lamentation and has become a lamentation. God commands Ezekiel to lament for the princes of Israel. Lament is a form of song used to help individuals or groups of people to express struggles, suffering, or disappointment to the Lord. While a lament or dirge is usually saved for funerals to express deep grief, the Lord is giving this riddle to Ezekiel and telling him to sing it as a lament. This lament is the fate of Israel's wicked kings. These leaders are not only receiving, or these leaders are not receiving praise, but they're receiving condemnation because of their evil and their wickedness. Following what we saw in Ezekiel chapter 18, we know that these princes are being held responsible for their own actions. The last verse of Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32, reminds us that, that the Lord has no pleasure in the death of anyone. So he tells the people, turn and live. The death of these leaders is their own doing. Were it not for Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 through 24, we might read Ezekiel chapter 19 and think that the line of Judah was being eliminated forever. This chapter is left intentionally weighty. No scepter for ruling will remain in the stem. Verse 14 of chapter 19. The gravity of wickedness and poor leadership would thrust the eyes of the people as well as the eyes of their leaders onto the true king pictured in Ezekiel chapter 17. When it says in verse 32, Thus says the Lord, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest and all the trees of the field shall know that i am yahweh the lord i will bring low the high tree and make high the low tree dry up the green tree and make dry tree flourish i am the lord i have spoken and i will do it so the prophet was led to lament the people in ezekiel's time were called to lament and beloved we too are called to lament over our ungodly leaders ezekiel 19 doesn't give an explanation. It doesn't give a, a primrose path. It doesn't give us an opportunity to see some hope. Why? It leads us to lament, knowing that our God will always be faithful to what he has promised. So this passage calls us to lament for three specific reasons and in three specific ways. The first is we lament when our leaders reject the Lord. We, re, we, re, we lament when our leaders reject the Lord. The first king mentioned here is thought to be Jehoahaz. His reign in Jerusalem lasted three months before the one who killed his father, Pharaoh Necho, imprisoned him in Egypt, where he would also eventually die. Second Kings chapter 23, verse 34 tells us of Jehoahaz, and that Pharaoh Necho made him Eliakim, the son of Josiah king, in the place of Josiah his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoahaz away, and he came to Egypt, and he died there. 
We see in verse 4 of Ezekiel chapter 19 that this wicked king was brought with hooks to the land of Egypt. And Jehoahaz, he was the son of righteous Josiah. But he broke ways with his father, and he followed after the leadership of his great-grandfather and of his grandfather. 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 31 and 32 tell us this about Jehoahaz. It says, Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutual, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did, listen, what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. Through his leadership of God's people, it was brief, but it was a burden. As a matter of fact, God's word tells us that his leadership, although only three months, was more of a burden than it ever could have been a blessing. And here's the deal. Jehoahaz had a godly father in Josiah. He had a daddy in his home. And Josiah, as you remember, had recovered God's word and and God's decrees. He had God's word. He had a father that was following God's word. He had godly parents. Oh, So his decision to lead God's people away from the Lord is despicable because he not only rejected the Lord's ways, but he also rejected the example that had been set for him. His decisions were not fueled by ignorance, but by insolence. He intentionally rejected what he knew to be right. He had every opportunity to lead the people in godliness. He had opportunities that his father before him, Josiah, did not have. But Jehoahaz rejected not just his earthly father, he rejected God. And so, beloved, if we're called to pray for our leaders, how do we pray for ungodly leaders? What do we do when ungodly leaders lead us? Four quick things. When ungodly leaders are leading us, we should weep, pray, and fast for them. We should weep at their ungodliness. We should pray over their ungodliness, and we should fast for them. But number two, we should ask God to reveal their sin to them and to empower their repentance. And then number three, in all things that are not sinful, when those leaders are not acting in an ungodly way, even though it may be few and far between, we should do our best to comply with their leadership. Even when ungodly leaders do ungodly things, when they are doing something that is not sinful, that is not a a repudiation of God's word, we should do our best to comply with their leadership. But then fourth, We should never allow them to lead us away or stray from God. But we should be bold like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Daniel chapter 3. When they said to the king in his face, when he was trying to lead them away from worship of the true God, they said, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. May we weep and pray and fast over ungodly leaders. May we pray that God would reveal their sin and empower their repentance. May we comply with things that are not ungodly or unbiblical, but may we never be led astray from worship of our true God. But may we be thrust into worship for the one true God, Yahweh our King. And then the second call to lament is this. We lament when our leaders are full of pride. We see the second king listed in verses 5 through 9. Many have debated which king the second king could have been. 
postulating that it could have been Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, or Zedekiah. For the sake of our short time together, I believe that Zedekiah fits most appropriately because we know that he and Jehoahaz had the same mother. 2 Kings 24.18 tells us that Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and that he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Humutual, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He and Jehoahaz had the same mom. Also, this would have been a prophetic warning to Zedekiah. When Ezekiel spoke these words in Ezekiel chapter 19, when he saw this vision, Zedekiah had not yet finished his reign. This would have been a word of caution to Zedekiah. And as we know so many times in God's prophecy, so many times in in God's uh, prophetic voices, there is a prophetic voice of, hey, this happened in the past. Hey, this is happening now. And hey, this will happen in the future. And then this will be happening in the far off future. This prophecy would have been given to Zedekiah right there in the midst of his reign. We read in 2 Kings chapter 24, 19-20 about Zedekiah, that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out of his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. You see even here, Zedekiah did what was evil. The anger of the Lord came against him. He was cast out of his presence. And just like we see in Ezekiel chapter 19, where the the king of Babylon would take this king. Verse 9, with hooks they put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. That, That Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon and was taken into captivity. Now the roar of this lion will never be heard in Israel again, which simply means his time as leader of God's people is done. Ezekiel was speaking a word to Zedekiah. Don't let your pride control you. Listen, listen to the words of the Lord. Repent or this will happen to you. In verse six, Ezekiel says the second lion proud and strutted among the lions. Zedekiah was 21 when he became king, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Nothing drives these actions like pride. To not regard the Lord as holy and what he says as right is the height of arrogance and pride. You see, Zedekiah had a warning from the prophet Ezekiel, if these words were truly penned for him, to repent, be careful. But ultimately, Zedekiah's pride led him to his own downfall after Ezekiel spoke these words. And it also led to the destruction of many, many others. Pride comes before a great fall. So we lament when our leaders are full of pride. But what do we do when we are led by those who are narcissistic? How do we, what do we do when we are led by those who are full of pride? Five quick things. First, we should pray for God to humble them and to bring them to their knees in repentance before him. I think of Nebuchadnezzar and the way that the Lord humbled him in Daniel chapter 4. And at the end of this humbling, this is what Nebuchadnezzar said. And may we pray that our leaders would have these same words. Nebuchadnezzar said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of heaven, because all of his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Let's pray that God would humble our prideful leaders. Number two, let's pray for them 
to be led to give God glory rather than seeking their own glory. Let's pray that God would lead them to seek his glory rather to seek their own glory. Then third, we should pray that the fear of the Lord and true knowledge would be produced in their lives. Let's pray that that true knowledge would be produced in their life. Let's pray that they would come to fear the Lord. Then fourth, we should pray for them to understand that all authority has been given to them through Christ and through God, and it is not of their own. And above all, if our leaders are going to take pride in something, let us pray that it is the name of Yahweh our Ezekiel 19 is a strong testimony that pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit comes before a fall. Proverbs 16:18. We must all guard against pride and arrogance in our own lives. The truth of the matter is it's much easier to see the pride in our leaders. It's much easier to see the destructive nature of pride in those that are in our country or or leading other nations or maybe in our boss at work or or, or maybe in those that, that lead our homeowners association or maybe in those that lead in other ways. It's easier to see their pride than it is to see the pride that is destroying our own hearts. So may we repent of our own pride and may we lay down our strivings at the throne of But then the third call to lament that we see found in verses 10 through 14 when God says, I'm going to pluck away, I'm going to destroy the vine of Judah is that we lament when our leaders refuse to listen to God. We lament when our leaders refuse to listen to God. The image in the lament shifts from a lioness to a vine. And the vine grows strong due to its proximity to plentiful waters and produces many strong branches that are fit for the scepters of rulers. Pride consumes the branches, so the vine is uprooted and replanted in a dry and thirsty land. And then verse 14, fire from the main branch consumes the fruit of the vine with the result of these lamentable words found at the final verse of Ezekiel chapter 19, that there is no longer a branch strong enough for the scepter. In other words, God is saying, I can no longer bless the line of Judah. I'm destroying the line of Judah. That's it. Ezekiel chapter 19 is over. God says, they've refused to listen to me. They won't repent. They're obstinate, stiff-necked people. It reminds us of a scene when when Moses comes down after having the the Ten Commandments and the people who he has left are are praising a, a golden image and a golden calf. Moses cracks the Ten Commandments that have just been written by the fingerprint of God. And God says, these are a stiff-necked, obstinate people, and I will no longer go with them. And what does Moses do? He prays back the promise of God to God himself. Oh, God. You promised you would go with us. You told, you told Abraham that if he could look into the sky and number the stars, so would his descendants be. God, you said you would be our God. You said you would be our king. Now go with us. In the same way, Ezekiel chapter 19 leaves with hopelessness. There's no longer going to be a, 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 a king in Judah. Has God not been true to his words in Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 through 10, when he said Jacob had blessed the tribe of Judah in this way? That Judah is a lion's cub from the prey, my son, you've gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness who dares rouse him, 
Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. <sighs> when we read Ezekiel chapter 19, Ezekiel may have even uttered these words and said, Oh God, are you not true to your promise of Ezekiel chapter 49, that the line of Judah would go on until tribute would come? But we know that God will fulfill his promise. But there are times when God calls us to lament and to, to sit in sackcloth and ashes because our leaders, and not just our leaders, but we ourselves refuse to listen to God. Ezekiel's use of the lion and the vine clue us in that Ezekiel 19 is about Judah's rulers. But what is described is much different from what Jacob ever considered. The evil leadership of Judah's kings has stored up God's wrath. And now he says he's going to uproot the vine in fury, verse 12. The first two images spoke of the end of two physical kings' reigns. But verses 10 through 14 speak of the end of the reign of all of the kings. And not only had Zedekiah's pride led to the captivity in Babylon, but he could have listened and submitted to God's plan. But he refused to listen to God. And so Ezekiel chapter 19, is God still true to his promise that the Lion of Judah would be exalted? Absolutely. And how do we know? Because we are living on this side of the cross. In Christ Jesus, the ultimate Lion of Judah has come. But beloved, don't miss the words of Ezekiel chapter 19. Don't think that they are meaningless because they are meaningful. When we fail to listen to the voice of God, there will be trouble and there will be consequence. The line of Judah didn't end forever, but with the captivity in Babylon, it certainly was thwarted. Captivity in Babylon caused there to be no more rule and reign over a sovereign group of people. But let's not miss it. Zedekiah and the kings of Israel had been warned. Jeremiah the prophet had warned Zedekiah as well in Jeremiah 27 verses 12 through 15. This is what Jeremiah says. He says, To Zedekiah, king of Judah, I spoke in a like manner. Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you and your people die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, as the Lord has spoken concerning any nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are saying to you, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you. I have not seen them, declares the Lord, but they are prophesying falsely in my name with the result that I will drive you out and you will perish, you and the prophets who are prophesying to you. Jeremiah warned Zedekiah, and I believe here in Ezekiel chapter 19, Ezekiel was warning Zedekiah. But ultimately, 2 Kings tells us Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. He refused to repent and submit and would not listen or heed the instruction of the Lord. Oh, and beloved, as we look around our nation, as we look around our world, we see leaders who over and over and over refuse to listen to God. What do we do? What can we do if our leaders refuse to listen to God? Four quick things. We can first of all pray that God will silence all false counsel in his or her ears that our leaders would no longer receive false counsel. Zedekiah's counselors were advising him in direct contrast to the Lord's revelation. And Zedekiah decided to accept their worldview over God's. For our leaders, we should pray that they will give most attention to Yahweh rather than mortal counselors. 
But then second, we should pray and ask God to do for our leader what they cannot do for themselves. Would God humble our leaders? Would God make our leaders to listen? Then third, we should ask God to turn their hearts towards his instruction and incline their wills towards his. And then fourth, we should pray for our leaders who refuse to listen to God to repent before the opportunity to do so is removed. And so, Ezekiel chapter 19, this lament, this riddle, it ends without any hope of deliverance. It ends without any explanation. And beloved, isn't that the way that 2020 is feeling? It's just pure lament. Sickness, death, racial injustice, financial uncertainty, ungodly world and national leaders, ungodly health leaders, along with a lack of true sight for hope for tomorrow. As COVID-19 cases continue to rise, as racial injustice continues to be unjust, as, as people continue to die, as sickness continues to rage, as other plagues begin to surface, do we sometimes feel in 2020 like this will never end? But here's the deal, beloved, as God's people, we should not be looking for deliverance to come from an earthly ruler, but from our great heavenly king. We don't need any more promises because he who gave us the promise will be faithful to keep them. God alone will rescue us and will rescue his people. The announcing of the burned branches in Ezekiel means deliverance from man is impossible, but not deliverance by God. The Lord brings beauty from ashes every day. Ultimately, God would deliver his people and he will deliver us and he will give us the greatest king possible. He'll give us himself, the Lion of Judah. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. Today, we are praying for our birth parent ministry and for expectant moms and expectant families who are in crisis. We pray that women who are considering adoption for their baby would reach out to Lifeline. We pray for our referral sources, for hospitals, for OBGYNs and pregnancy centers, that they would connect expecting moms to Lifeline who are considering adoption. We pray that the women we serve will come to know the Lord and his redeeming love. We pray that God will open their eyes to see that they and their children are made in the image of God and are valued by him. We pray that God will lead women to choose life for their babies and that they will consider adoption. We pray for the women and men who have placed their children for adoption through Lifeline, that the Lord would comfort them. We pray for their relationships with the adopting families and with their children, that these relationships would point them to the love of Christ. We pray for our team as we walk with those who are grieving. We pray that they would point them to Christ in a way that is truly a comfort to these birth parents. We pray for families who are waiting to adopt, for their marriages, for their relationship with the Lord, and for encouragement. We pray for families who have recently been matched with expectant moms who decide to parent. We pray for these families as they grieve, and we pray for strength for them to open up their hearts to another birth mom in the future. We pray for our families to remember that our goal is the gospel. We pray for them to have strength to love on an expecting parent, no matter what her history may be. And we pray for adopted families who have an open adoption. We pray that they would be intentional and mission-minded in the way that they love and support their child's birth family. And we pray for our team, for our pregnancy counselors and domestic specialists to find rest in the midst of a tumultuous and busy season. Let's pray. God of Jacob, Lion of Judah, 
We thank you that our hope today is not in an earthly king. Our hope today is not in an earthly leader. Our hope today is not for a day of peace, of perfect peace here on earth without the rule of the the prince of peace. Oh God, may our hope be in the lion of Judah. May our hope be in you. May our hope be in the only prince and the only king that can bring true peace. But Lord God, we also pray for our birth mother ministry. We pray for women who are going through unexpected, unplanned pregnancies, that you would give them grace, that you would give them mercy, and ultimately that you would lead them to safe places. We pray that the women we serve will come to know the Lord and his redeeming love. We pray that the right women at the right time would find the ministry of Lifeline and that our team would be able to show them the manifold love and wisdom and goodness of God. We pray for our team as they walk with those who are grieving. We pray for our pregnancy counselors and domestic specialists to find rest in the midst of a busy season. And we pray for birth families and birth mothers that you would give them strength, that you would give them love, and that you would give them eyes to see you. And we pray for those who have already placed their children, that they would have encouragement, that they would have hope, and that they would be comforted. And pray for those families who are waiting to adopt for their marriages, their relationships, and Lord, that you would give them patience and clarity and wisdom. Lord God, we love you. We thank you that you are our true king and our true hope. And may you be the hope of these families. And may you be the hope of these women. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.